Well, as Stacy said, we are at our annual hot topic, and this has just become kind of a fun tradition here in our Compass Women's Ministry, where at the end of our Bible study year, we kind of cap the year off by exploring a hot topic, uh, something that's maybe trending or controversial, uh, maybe something that you've heard of, maybe something that you've never heard of, and you need to be aware of it. Uh, we've looked at many hot topics. The first one that we did was on uh, the book, The Secret, and it was about the power of positive thinking, and that's actually still trending out there. Uh, we've looked at things like sexuality, we've looked at politics, abortion, different books, books like Jesus Calling and The Shack, uh, even Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, we've looked at topics like hell. Last year, we did uh, the concept of deconstruction. The year before that, we looked at women and their roles in the church. Uh, we've looked at, uh, this will be our 17th hot topic. So many different hot topics. And again, uh, I just want to preface with the purpose of the hot topic. We're going out for the summer. We're going to be invited to parties and barbecues and to the beach and to the pool and to the parks with friends. And we're going to have Christian friends and non-Christian friends there. And we need to be aware of what's going on in our culture, what things are trending in our culture, so that when we hear about it, we can say, oh yeah, I've heard about that. I know a little bit about that, and I know how to biblically respond to it as well. And that's what's so important, is that not only we know about what's going on, but we know that there's a biblical response to these things, or a way to think through these things that line up with biblical law and biblical principle. So uh, we want to begin by, you know, saying that even from the beginning, the very beginning, the very first chapters of the Bible, God warns us about the power of influence. Uh, the scripture cautions us about the power of influence, the power that influence has to move people uh, in certain directions regarding their thinking and their behavior. And we see this uh, from the second chapter of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, God commanded the man to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was this command that God gave to man. But we see by Genesis chapter 3, uh, the influencer, so to speak, comes along and entices Eve to disobey that command. Genesis 3, in the beginning, it says the serpent was more crafty, and he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He had influence upon her. He caused her to think and to behave contrary to what she was called to do by God. And we know that she took the fruit, and she ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he also ate. So we see the power of influence right from the beginning. We see that the serpent influenced Eve to disobey God by his words, and we see that by her behavior, the woman, she influenced her husband, and he followed suit with what she was doing. So influence is a very, um, it's a very powerful thing. Again, the ability of a person, 
uh, to really shape the character, the behavior, the thinking of another because of the influence that they exert upon them. Now, this year for our hot topic, we're going to look at something called influencers. There are a whole category of people out there that go by the name, that call themselves influencers. And they are influencers. And this is going to be uh, really targeted towards social media influencers. And we will see why. Uh, we'll see why we need to be aware of this, uh, even if we have nothing to do with social media, why it's important for us as Christian women to know that social media influencers are having a large influence upon people, and we need to know how to think about that and how to respond to that rightly. Uh, we want to be sure that we're aware that the influencer in whatever packaging he or she comes in has the power to direct our thinking and our behavior and the thinking and behavior of our loved ones and our friends and those in our community. And we don't want to look back at our life. We don't even want to look back in a year and say we regret the decisions that we made because we were influenced to do something that was inconsistent with what God has revealed in his law and in his principles. We want to make sure we're lining ourselves up with what God says. So we want to begin by recognizing who influencers are. Who are these people that identify, that are called, that are categorized as influencers? Uh, what do they do? What makes someone an influencer? How did they become one? An influencer, by definition, is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with her audience. So again, this primarily takes place in the realm of social media, but someone has a very large following, and because of that large following, they're able to influence, uh, as it says here, the purchasing decisions of others. And that purchasing decision isn't only product-related. This can also be uh, influencing ideology and influencing thinking as well. And we'll look into that a little bit more. So in the digital world today, that's the world that we live in, where everything is online, uh, the influencer is someone who has clout through her digital channels. Uh, people follow her, they look at her, they listen to her. And it's a social currency, as some would call it. And she has an engagement with her followers, so much so that when she posts, when she speaks, her audience will listen to her. And most importantly, as this author says to brands, they will buy from her. They will buy again whatever it is that she's um, marketing, whether that be products or whether that be ideas. And so we've entered into this realm where we have what's called influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is a new type of argument, uh, marketing in which brands or companies will partner with influencers. These social media influencers, uh, a lot of times women with a large following, and use the influence of these women to promote their products or to promote whatever it is that they want people to buy into, so to speak. Now, you might be thinking, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where there are these people who would identify as influencers? And uh, people have said 
that, you know, it probably began in the early 2000s with the reality TV. Before the early 2000s, there weren't uh, reality TV shows. But in the early 2000s, uh, these reality TV shows became popular, where you could watch, you know, a person's life, you could watch a family, you could watch whoever it was on these reality TV shows. And at first it was like, wow, this is weird. But then it became uh, really popular. And people loved watching someone else's life, uh, seeing a quote-unquote real life, uh, you know, seeing uh, things that were actually happening, their successes, their problems, their arguments, their fights, whatever it was. It was a way for us to have a window into someone else's life. And these reality stars in time began to become the new celebrities in our culture. One of the first ones was the Kardashian family. Uh, you've probably heard of the Kardashians before. They came out with that show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which has run for decades now. And some of the top influencers today are actually members of the Kardashian or Jenner family. And people have followed what the Kardashians do. They've followed what the Jenners do. They make decisions on what they're going to buy, what they're going to wear, what they're going to think based upon what uh, the Kardashian-Jenner family does. Now, at the same time, uh, as these reality shows come, coming out, as people wanting to engage with people via reality, uh, there were these social media platforms that were coming out as well. Uh, for example, YouTube came out in 2005, and YouTube provided an opportunity for real people to post real content, and people were hungry for these real shows, these real things, uh, this what they felt like was transparency and authenticity. And so YouTube allowed uh, there to be this creative content posted, People would go on to YouTube and they would begin to watch regular people talk about different things and they felt like, wow, I'm identifying with this person. This person is starting to feel even like a friend to me. And then in 2010 was the launch of Instagram. Now, Instagram ended up being a mecca for social media influencers because it's pretty much based on visual pictures. Uh, visual pictures, beautifully curated feeds, uh, visual design. It's a place where fashion and beauty influencers could uh, have this perfect platform to post, and many, many people would see what they posted. And then we know in 2016 was the launch of TikTok. And TikTok is bigger with the younger community, but TikTok is really known for its 15-second videos, uh, these 15-second videos that will go through the feed. And the uh, TikTok algorithm, is what they call it, is designed so that the user starts to only see videos that are consistent with the videos that he or she wants to watch. So if you're really into pets, you start just seeing videos about pets. If you're really into lipstick, you see all these videos about lipstick. I mean, the algorithm can pick up on what you're watching, what you like, how long you're spending on it, and then continue to put the videos that are consistent with who you are and, you know, keep you on there. And I'm sure you've all seen that in some form, 
where you've been looking for something online or you've sent an email about something and then it pops up in a social media feed and you think, how did they know that that's what I'm shopping for? It's these algorithms that these uh, platforms use that can detect what it is that we're interested in and what it is that we're looking for. So influencer marketing then became this mainstream channel. Uh, this was a perfect opportunity for brands, for corporations to partner with what people felt were real people, authentic people, and then to use these authentic people to distribute whatever it is that they were marketing, that they were selling, that they are peddling, that they even want us to think. And advertisers are very aware of the benefits of influencer marketing or social media influencer marketing. I have here on the bottom left a picture of a woman that just popped up in my uh, Instagram feed on Sunday. And, you know, it's for a brand of makeup called Il Maquillage. And I get these all the time, but they look like friends of mine. They look like real women. They are uh, posts that these women have made. It's called UGC, User Generated Content. So they make their own posts, and then these brands will sponsor them. And so when you're going through your social media feeds, you think, wait, do I know this person? It doesn't feel like an advertisement in the traditional sense. It feels like someone who's a real person who's just sharing with you what they learned about this makeup or what they learned about this food or what they learned about whatever topic. And these influencers will then build the brands. And people love it because they feel these people are authentic. They feel they're relatable. They believe them. They buy into, us, into it and they put trust in the influencers. And of course, this is very cost-effective for brands as well because they allow the users to generate the content, which is more effective in the end and ends up costing them less. So it's important that we see that not only is this a thing, but this is a widespread thing. Uh, this is far-reaching. I think even more far-reaching than we might realize. Uh, one of the main reasons that it's so far-reaching is that so many people are on social media. And especially if you're one that's not on social media, you might not realize how many people are. Now, these are worldwide statistics from January of this year, from just a couple months ago. At this time, 4.76 billion people in our world are on social media. That's huge. There are only 7.9 billion people in the world. That means 60% of the people on our planet are on social media. Now, you could see why this would be a mecca, again, for advertisers. If 60% of the world are on these channels, then they are going to use these channels and utilize them. And the other interesting statistic that I have circled is that the average social media user, average, is on social media for about two and a half hours a day. That's a long time, two and a half hours a day. You know, and I, I found these statistics to be so overwhelming that I continued to look them up and found other groups that said the same things again and again and again. Uh, they all say that the average social media user is going for about 145 minutes 
two and a half hours a day, every single day on social media. Two and a half hours. That's big. Uh, and it's continuing to grow. It's been rising and rising with every year, and it's continuing to grow. The amount of social media users and the time that they are on social media. Uh, so much so that it's been projected that by 2027, so in four years, 5.85 uh, billion people will be on social media. That's 75% now of the world's population. I mean, this is huge. This is something that we need to be aware of, whether we're social media users or not. Almost everybody is. And that's why one author said, social media influencers rule the world. And in a sense, they do, right? Because their information, their feeds, their uh, you know, photos, their videos are going out worldwide and continually. They are impacting the world. Marketers have realized this, and they're moving away from traditional advertisements via things like commercials and you know, magazine ads because they realize the power of these social media influencers. And it's interesting because we could sit there on our phone and look at these videos for two, two and a half hours a day. But we're never going to sit down in front of a TV and watch two and a half hours of commercials, right? We're always trying to get through the commercials because we realize they're commercials. But when we're on social media, we forget that so much of this is targeted right to us as a commercial, as a brand trying to get us to buy into something, whether it be a product or an ideology or even the influencer herself. Uh, trying to, us to get us to buy into her brand and follow her. More than 50 million, 50 million people around the world now call themselves influencers or content creators, uh, people who are trying to exert influence over us by, you know, the way that they live, the lifestyles that they choose, the things that they think. This is prevalent, it's widespread, it is everywhere. It's something that we need to be aware of. Now, there are all sorts of different types of social media influencers. Uh, there are people that are influencing in the category of fashion. Uh, and it's great, it's helpful. You know, how do I wear those shoes? How do I match boots with a dress? How can I, you know, use a plaid and a floral together. How do I put on a scarf? How do I tie a tie? Uh, fashion influencers are there to tell you that. And they'll post videos, they'll post pictures, and at the same time, uh, they will want to get you to follow them, and they will be looking to build a relationship, quote unquote, with you. There are beauty influencers. Uh, same thing, you know, this can be helpful. We wanna know, how do you put on makeup? How should I do my lipstick? What should I do about my wrinkles? You know, how should I buy the right cream? How often should I use that cream? What are things that will help me with my need for beauty helps? Uh, health and fitness. Everybody wants to be more healthy and more fit. Uh, what kind of workout should I do? How can I get a great workout in five minutes a day? Uh, what should I eat? What kind of protein should I drink? Uh, what should I avoid? All of these things are provided for us by these social media influencers that specialize in the category, or their brand is health and fitness. 
technology. There are social media influencers that will help us with technology. What's the latest in technology? What gadgets do I need to buy? Uh, what can help me with my technological needs, my phone, my computer, whatever it is? And they will help us with those things. They'll help us to use those things. They'll help us to see how we can better use the things even that we have. Travel and tourism. You know, where should I go? Where should I book my next vacation? What's, where did you go? Uh, where did you stay? What hotel? Uh, you know, what was the pool like there? What was the food like there? Where can I get a good deal on an airline ticket? All of things are, these things are provided for us by travel and tourism influencers. Uh, entrepreneurship. How can I start my own business? I'm tired of having a boss. I want to work for myself. Hey, how can I be a social media influencer too? All of these things are given to us or taught to us by people who help us with entrepreneurship in the social media world. Home and lifestyle. Uh, this is a really big category. A lot of Christians follow home and lifestyle influencers. I mean, we want our homes to look good, right? We're having HFG. We're having people over. We're going to do a spring tea. How do I decorate a table? You know, I want something new and fun and exciting. And they can tell us how we can go down to Walmart and get a $2 can of spray paint and a couple things from the yard and make something look really good. And so, you know, we see home and lifestyle, uh, how they have these beautiful homes or how they beautifully decorate a room. Or if you just buy these products and you throw your old things out, you put these new vases in or whatever it is, it's going to look just as good as you see in that picture. And your home can look like this too. Food, uh, recipes. We all have to eat, right? And we want to eat things that taste good. So different recipes, different food ideas. How do I prepare food? Uh, what food works with what food? What recipe is new and trending? Uh, what should I be eating? What should I not be eating? Food influencers and even pets. There are influences out there that will help us to be a better pet owner. You know, how should I treat my dog? How should I celebrate a birthday for a dog? How do we incorporate our dogs into the family photos? I mean, all of these things are provided by these social media influencers that help us with our pets, help us to take a better care of the pets that we have. And you know, within these social media influencers, there are different types, different types. There's the big celebrities, uh, the ones like the Kardashians and the Jenners, who have over a million followers, over a million. Uh, some of the multiple millions of people that follow them and listen to them. And then there's called the macro influencers, and they have over 100,000 followers. That's 100,000 people that will see what they post continually. There's the micro influencers. They have over 10,000 followers. And then even the nano influencers that only have over uh, a thousand followers, but you know they might target a very specific group, and brands are aware of these, and brands use all four categories in different ways to connect with specific audiences so that the audience feel like whatever the brands are promoting are authentic, are real, are relatable, and are from a trustworthy source. 82% of consumers say that they are highly likely to value what an influencer recommends. Because again, you choose the influences 
influencers that you will follow. And so you feel like, you know, I'm beginning to know her. I'm getting to like her. Uh, I feel like I have this relationship with her. And when she recommends something, you believe it. 82% of consumers, again, believe these things. Uh, an example is uh, this Peter Thomas Roth eye cream. Now, I watched an interview with Peter Thomas Roth himself, and he said that this eye cream had been on the market for 12 years. And even though it had been on the market for 12 years, uh, there was a TikTok video that went out. And this TikTok video uh, showed how if you use this eye cream, I mean, the bags under your eyes, they will be gone uh, within 15 seconds. And there was a video, and this lady was showing, and you could just watch the bags go away, and I bought it. <laughs> I did. I was like, I need this stuff. So it, w it went viral. This video went viral, and viral like a virus. You know how a virus spreads everywhere? Well, they have viral videos. That means that they spread everywhere. So this video spread everywhere, and what happened was that stores ran out of this eye cream, and then the warehouses ran out of the eye cream, and even the manufacturer himself ran out of the eye cream, all because of this video that was circulating in social media about how great this eye cream was. Well, when I used it, it was like putting egg whites underneath your eyes. It, it, it didn't really work, so it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be but I was able to grab a, a tube for myself. Uh, another one, and uh, these, there are so many of these, but these ones I feel like I have a connection to. This one, uh, Clinique's, Clinique's uh, lip gloss. And it's funny because I used to use Clinique a lot in the 80s, and this viral video came out uh, on TikTok about Clinique's lip gloss who had, that had been around since the 80s and how this shade, Black Honey, was the shade to get. If you had this shade, it doesn't matter what your skin tone is, doesn't matter what you're wearing, it's going to look perfect with everything. Well, I went to Target and it was sold out. It was sold out everywhere. I mean, they couldn't keep this stuff in stock because of this viral video. Before that, this lip gloss had been around again since the 80s but they could not keep this in stock. So I went to Target and clicked the little notify me when in stock button. And at midnight, you know, every couple weeks I'd get a notification, it's back in stock. There are two left, you know, so I'd be sweating at midnight, like I'm gonna buy this. And I ended up buying four of them. And why would you buy four? Because I had this sense like it's not gonna be in stock and this is the best lip gloss of all time and I'm gonna have this lip, lip gloss. And I actually, gave one to Carlin for her birthday. <laughs> and I remember telling her, Carlin, it's on TikTok. I mean, you can't get this stuff. And she was very kindly and lovingly looking at me like, okay, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> but you know what's so funny is I still have one in my drawer. And I bought this a couple of years ago. Why did I buy four of them? I did not need four lip glosses. I'm gonna play uh, a video, it's just a one minute video, but again, it reminds us of the power of this influence, the power of these uh, videos, of this, these social media influencers. Tomatoes, olive oil, and salt to a baking dish and toss. It all started with a pasta dish. Add the pasta to serving bowls and enjoy. 
A blogger in Finland apparently posted this recipe to her site three years ago. Another Finnish foodie blogged her version of oven-baked feta pasta a year later. And then, just this January, the American TikTok account Grilled Cheese Social uploaded its own now viral video recipe for the dish, precipitating a national feta shortage and justifying this story, which finds us chatting with a cheesemonger. About two weeks ago, um, when we went to place our weekly order for feta, our distributor, who's based in Providence, Rhode Island, um, said that they were out of stock, and they sent me a link to um, this TikTok video. And Saxelby co-owns Saxelby Cheesemongers, which receives 2,000 pounds of cheese at its Brooklyn warehouse every week. It, pre-pandemic, then distributed to more than 100 restaurants in this city and still ships to consumers and cheese shops all across the country. Our mission is to support small artisan cheesemakers in the United States. But as of late, TikTok's done as much to sustain those cheesemakers as cheesemongers like Anne. The same week that we had this, uh, this thing come up with the feta, another friend of ours who has a TikTok channel um, posted a video about another cheese that we sell called Windermere, which is made by a small producer in Vermont. And we instantly sold out of that too. So the power of these viral videos, uh, things selling out, whether it be eye cream or lip glosses or feta cheese, uh, you know, whatever it is, you're seeing these videos and people are running out to buy this stuff. Uh, this was another one where uh, it was a coconut yogurt, a coconut probiotic yogurt. And, you know, these videos were circulating on TikTok about this yogurt and how this was like the panacea for everything. Uh, this girl here in her video talking about how this yogurt really healed her digestive system, healed her gut. And it's interesting in the caption underneath her video, she says not only did it heal her gut, but it took care of her acne and it cured her severe depression too. So, you know, great, I want to go buy this stuff. And again, it was stripped off the shelves. I remember my daughter even telling me that she went to Whole Foods in St. Clemente and there were a few jars left and she posted on a social media site and within uh, a short amount of time she said there was a small swarm coming in stripping the, the jars off the aisles and then taking them back out. I mean, the power of this social media influencing, it's amazing. It is really something that we need to take note of. Uh, they say that videos that are tagged with the hashtag, that means that everybody's looking at this hashtag. This is the bucket they're, they're going into. TikTok made me buy it, have reached over 40 billion views. These are things that people bought just because they saw the video on TikTok or, you know, people who are actually looking to buy things that were advertised on TikTok because they truly believe that these are from real, authentic, sincere influencers who are being genuine with us. Now, again, I've mentioned a couple times, it's not only products. Uh, even the Biden administration, this was just posted a couple weeks ago, has decided that they're going to use social media influencers to help with the next campaign. So it's not just products, it's ideology too. People are realizing the power that these influencers hold and that when they communicate something, when they give information, people are likely to listen. And this involves big money. There's a lot of money behind all of this. Because again, the reach and the, um, the reaction, the, the way that people do change their thinking and their behavior is huge. Uh, some of the biggest celebrity influencers are celebrities that we know. Uh, for example, Kendall Jenner, 
one of the Kardashian-Jenner clan. She's, again, one of these big celebrity influencers, and she makes $2 million, $2 million. I mean, can you imagine what you would do with $2 million uh, for these uh, social media branding partnerships that she does? Now, when I say $2 million, that's $2 million per post. Yeah, it's $1.74 million per post that brands pay her because they realize that when she posts something, people will respond. People will buy it. They want to have the purse that Kendall has or the shoes that she has or whatever it is. That's insane per post. Uh, also, people like Demi Lovato or Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, they're making over $1.5 million per post because they have such a big following and so much influence over others. And again, it's not just celebrities. A lot of people have risen up just from posting videos to become people that brands recognize and then brands start to pay them to uh, collaborate with them as well. Uh, there's a, a young girl named Charlie who just posted uh, videos, dance clips of herself. She's a dancer, so she would, uh, you know, dance to songs. And she's gotten to the place of where every time she posts for a brand, she's making over $100,000. There's another one, Bella. She rose to uh, celebrity fame just by posting uh, videos of herself lip-syncing to videos of people like the way she looked, what she was wearing, her style, you know, the way that she would lip-sync and dance or whatever. Now she's making over $65,000 every time she posts for a brand or collaborates with a, a brand. Another one, Addison, same thing. Young girl, posted dance videos, lip-syncing videos, and now she's risen to the social media fame over $65,000 every time she posts for a brand. Uh, this is big. It's a big deal thing. There's big money in this, and it's something that we need to be aware of. In a book that I read about uh, really how to become a social media influencer, uh, written by somebody who works as a social media influencer agent, she said, you know, you don't have to be a big celebrity. You can have 100,000 followers and make so much money that you don't even have to work a regular job. This can be your full-time job. Or you can have a part-time job as an influencer and make money doing this. And that is what a lot of people, as we saw, 50 million people at this point uh, want to do. It's been said that influencers are the new celebrities of our world. And again, there are these agencies. Before, you would have agents for celebrities, for actors or musicians or writers or whatever uh, agents. But now there are social media influencer agents uh, who are out there, and they pair the influencer with the brand. And they'll bring the two together, and they'll look at the, you know, the brand, whatever it is, of the influencer, and then you know, the brand of the company, and they'll put them together, pair them together, and there are many social media influencer agencies, not just one. I mean, this is a widespread big money thing. Uh, this one author said that she paid a dog, a dog. There are dogs that are influencers. 
If you don't believe me, uh, look up Jif Palm. I've followed this dog before. It's so cute. And I don't even like dogs. But for some reason, this little Jif is the cutest thing. But she paid a dog $32,000 for two Facebook posts, one Instagram post, and a tweet. And she said, literally, it probably took the owner three minutes to put this together. $32,000 to a dog. There is a lot of money in this. Now, you might be thinking, okay, with all of this, why do we like this stuff? Why do we as women like influencers? Why do we do this? Why do we subject ourselves to this? And that's a good question. We have to remember that the influencer knows what she or he is doing. They're working. This is their job, so to speak. They have goals. They have an agenda. There are books. There are blogs. There are videos on how to be an influencer. And you set goals for yourself. And, you know, you try to build a following. Of course, you want more followers. Uh, you try to market your brand, pick your brand, uh, you know, really make it clear what you feel that you represent or what area you're an expert in. And, you know, you want to build trust with your community. And having read many books on this, that's the theme that came up again and again and again and again, is that these influencers want to build trust with their communities. Uh, probably, I would say the number one goal of influencers is to build trust, is so that people would follow them and listen to them, whether it be, you know, buying products or just uh, believing what they're, they're communicating. They want you to trust them. They want you to believe that this is the right way to think or the right way to behave. There are strategies to doing this. There are companies that help influencers to build trust with their followers or with their communities. Uh, they will have different ways that you can get your um, following. You can get their email addresses or you can get their text, their uh, phone numbers and text them. Uh, I know that they will send you text. They have people who work for them who are like their admin team that will go on their uh, sites and they will send texts to everybody who is in their list, that's in their following. And so the people who are receiving the texts believe, oh, wow, this is my friend. I mean, she's texting me. She texted me on my birthday to say happy birthday. And they send out a general text to everybody who has a birthday that day. And yet it creates this feeling like, you know, she likes me, she knows me. And the people that run these accounts, when they get bigger and bigger, they'll start looking at the people that follow them and they'll look at their posts and even every now and then like their followers' posts. And boy, does that not do it for someone that's following an influencer. When you say, oh, the influencer likes me and knows me and she even liked my post. And again, it creates this sense of trust. Uh, it creates this sense of authenticity, and in the end, it makes the influencer more successful in the business that she's doing. And marketing uh, experts will say that there are different components to being a good marketer, a good salesperson. You need to build trust with your audience, which these influencers do well. Uh, you need to show some level of competence or expertise, make people feel like you know what you're talking about, and uh, there's a component of attraction. 
Uh, you, you need to be attractive. There needs to be something about them that attracts us, where we think, I like uh, looking at this. I like looking at her. Or, you know, I like what she represents. I feel attracted to her. And so that's really uh, one of the main reasons that we follow certain influencers is because they're attractive to us. You know, we'll be on social media. A lot of these influencers are really stunningly beautiful. And we like to see that. We like to look at people that are attractive. They have what appears to be these very attractive families. You know, you see beautiful pictures of the families and everyone encouraging each other and getting along. And even when they show us, you know, I'm a real person, I've got a bad day too, somehow that's made to just look like the perfect bad day. So, you know, there's an attractiveness that's there. They have homes that are attractive. They have products that are attractive. Uh, they, they just have things that look attractive. And we think, you know, I want my life to be that attractive. And so we begin to, you know, really follow them because of the fact that they represent something that's attractive to us. They can also be very stylish. Uh, you know, they can know what to wear and how to wear it and what to buy and what you can get from Target so cheap or, you know, how you can look, how you can match again those things. I like this one, how to style boring clothes. That's perfect. You know, I've got a lot of boring clothes. What do I do with them? And again, their, uh, their ability to, you know, be on the cutting edge of fashion and style and design and trends, uh, it can feel helpful to us. So they're attractive and they're stylish. And the other thing is interesting, and this is what a lot of the authors that I read pointed out, is that we, we can see these influencers as our popular friends. And everybody wants to have popular friends. Uh, one author said that the audience will consider the influencers to be popular friends. You know, and we see all these people watching their videos, all these people liking their videos, all these people commenting on their videos, and we watch them again and again and again and again. We watch them have kids, we watch their families grow, and we think, these are my friends, and they're super popular. And so these are the friends that I am following that are popular. Uh, it's interesting because 84% of... Uh, Sponsored posts on Instagram are put out by women. So there's an appeal to us as women to have this community of really popular friends, of attractive, stylish friends that we feel are popular. And I uh, use that word community because following influencers gives us a sense of community. Again, they have a brand. That's one of the very first things that you do when you're establishing yourself as an influencer is you think about what's your brand? What is it that you want to represent? What is it that people, you want people, your audience to know you for? And so being a part of that brand, so to speak, finding someone that you feel represents what you're into or you're like gives you a sense of community. And the problem is it's not real community. I mean, this is digital community. And, you know, social media influencers, these books that will tell you how to do this, they say you want to keep creating this sense of relationship between you and your followers. You know, saying things like, oh, I wish I could just have a cup of coffee with you right now. Really? You don't even know me. I mean, what if I'm a pedophile? 
right? Uh, but, you know, you'll hear things like that. Or, you know, I wish I could be face-to-face with you. Things like that where you're, you're constantly feeling like they want to have this relationship with you and you hear it again and again and you feel like you're a part of this community. Now, I found this to be sad, the uh, book about uh, how to become a social media influencer. It said, as an influencer, when you're creating great content, so great videos, great pictures, great sayings, whatever it is, you will amass an audience that is living vicariously through you. You see what's happening there? People then are starting to live through the influencer. I mean, maybe I'm not that attractive, but she is. Maybe I don't have the perfect family, but she sure does. So as she does, I can live through that. Uh, She's exploring the world or traveling the world. She's funny. Uh, She's witty. She's personable. She's transparent. She's real. She's all those things. And people start to live through the influencer. And as this book said, that's one of the goals of the influencer is to help these people live through them. But we know that that creates a culture of loneliness and isolation as people are retreating to live through these influencers rather than to live life themselves. And the last thing here is that we just trust them. I mean, that's their goal. They want us to trust them. That's what they're working towards is to gain our trust. Uh, 82% of people surveyed said that they would trust, again, the recommendation of an influencer, 82%. And 37% said even if they knew that it was sponsored content by the influencer, if it was paid by a you know, corporation or a company, it wouldn't matter because they trust the influencers and they trust their recommendations and they trust what they say and they trust what they promote. Now, I thought this was interesting. 40% of people surveyed said that they relate more to, they feel more connected to influencers than even their own friends. They feel this sense of friendship, this sense of community, so that they feel connected to them more than their own friends. They feel like they can relate to them. And these books point out that people will trust you as an influencer more than they will trust an organization. Again, trying to build this sense of trust is so important in this whole influencer marketing. 54% of women said after they saw an influencer recommend a product, they bought it. Hey, I know, I've done it myself. But they purchased products after it was recommended by an influencer. Now, the problem is it's not just women that are being impacted by this. It's going down into uh, the thinking of our children. Uh, New York Times posted this article that uh, social media users are getting younger and younger. Uh, Eight-year-olds now are using social media. Eight-year-olds are spending more and more time, they said, on social media. And when you become a teen, they say, 40% of teenagers spend over five hours a day on social media. Now we're talking five hours a day. The average workday is what, eight hours? Five hours a day. Some of them up to nine hours a day on social media. That's a lot of time. 
This is really, we can't think that this is not impacting our thinking, our hearts, and our behavior. So we need to be shrewd when following influencers. We need to think about this. We need to process this. We need to respond to this in a way that's consistent, again, with biblical law and biblical principle. We need to always remember that these influencers are influencing us. That's what they're doing. Uh, whether it be uh, prompting us to buy a product or just to influence our thinking or our ideas, the way that we see things or our behavior, they want to have an influence upon us and they do. So we need to be shrewd. We need to consider these things when we follow influencers. Uh, I like uh, this text in Ephesians. I, I feel like this addresses what we're dealing with well. Uh, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, it was a dark culture, a dark community, kind of like ours 2,000 years ago, and said, you know, how as Christians, how as people who are followers of Christ, who have God's Holy Spirit, how do you live in a dark community? And he said, uh, kind of in the preface to the passage we're going to look at, he said in Ephesians 5, 13 and 14, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake to the Christian, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So you're in this dark world. You need to wake up. You need to be aware. You need to be shrewd of what's going on around you. And then the text transitions into Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, which gives us uh, fences in a sense. It gives us some parameters for how we should live, and we can apply this to living in a world of social media influencers. Uh, the text says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, the first thing that we see there is from verse 15, and it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So all Christians are called to be wise, not unwise. They are to look carefully how they walk. And that's what we need to do first is just to think carefully. When we're following social media influencers, we think carefully. We need to just remember that we're being marketed, that, you know, these influencers want us to buy something, again, whether it be a product or a thinking, or an ideology, or whatever it is. And, you know, it's wise to kind of stop periodically and look at the influencers that we're following and say, why are we following them? Uh, why, why am I following this person? What is it? What is their brand? What are they trying to get me to think, or believe, or purchase, or buy? And do I really want to invest time and money into that? Uh, the next part of the passage said, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. 
Again, 2,000 years ago today, these same principles are true. We need to regulate our time. We need to regulate our time. We are called as Christians to be spiritually productive. So uh, if we're going to be following social media influencers and on social media accounts, one of the best things that we can do is just set time limits on ourselves. You know, maybe saying, how long do I think is reasonable for me to spend on social media? An hour a day? Two hours a day? We'd still be under the average, right? 30 minutes a day. Let's say you say, okay, 30 minutes a day is enough. So I'm going to go on from 8.30 to 9 every night, 30 minutes a day. And you set an alarm, you set a timer. Because if we don't do that, you know what happens is, uh, you know, you're in line at the store and you pop up social media. Uh, you're working on something and you need to take a break and you look at social media. Uh, you're making dinner and you're a little bit tired and you look at social media. You're, you know, sitting on your couch, and you're exhausted, and you look at social media. And the next thing you know, you've accumulated two and a half hours, and you don't realize it because you haven't set those limits on yourself. So again, it's important that we regulate our time, as the scripture says, because again, we are called to be spiritually productive people. It goes on, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So as Christians, we are not to be fools. We're not to be foolish people. We are to use discernment. And that's what we need to do is use discernment. We need to just ask ourselves, am I being duped here? I don't want to be duped by anything. I know I have, I know I have a propensity to be duped. Do I really need four lip glosses, right? I mean, are these things really going to be the solution to all my problems? whether it's, you know, purchasing products or buying into new ideologies or new thinkings. Is this really going to fix the problem that I have? I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be duped. I need to just use discernment. And then uh, the text goes on in Ephesians 5.18 that we are not to get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. So we are to stay sober-minded. All Christians are called to be sober-minded people. Uh, you know, we need to say to ourselves, am I allowing myself to be drunk or to be under the influence? We aren't to get drunk with wine. Uh, that means we aren't to get drunk with beer either. We aren't to get drunk with whiskey. You know, we aren't to get high on pot. I mean, whatever it is. And we aren't to be in a place where our minds are disengaged and checked out and we are becoming mindless people. And we can do that when we're under the influence of these influencers where we get on social media and there is just mindless scrolling. And you can see that happening all the time with people where there's just a checking out. There's just mindless scrolling going on for minutes and then for hours of just scrolling, 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 and your mind is not thinking, it's not sharp, it's not clear, you're no longer sober-minded. In contrast, we are to track with the Spirit. And the text says there, but instead of being checked out mentally, instead of being under the influence of anything, we're to be filled with the Spirit. We're called as Christians to be filled with the Spirit. So when we're uh, following social media influencers, we still need to re realize that we're to be in step with the Spirit. We're to be yielding to the Spirit. We're to be tracking with the Spirit. 
as Galatians 5.16 says, that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we're making sure to be in step with, to be in sync with the Spirit. And what's so neat is this passage shows us how we can know that we're in step with the Spirit. What are some of the evidences of following the Spirit or being in track with the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit? Some of the evidences are, like it says in verse 19, is we will be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. It's interesting because look at the first few words here. It says addressing one another. Addressing one another. There's going to be this uh, community of real people. That's what those who follow the Spirit, that's who those who are filled with the Spirit, that's who those that are tracking with the Spirit uh, do. They are invested in their church, invest in your church, real people, uh, not artificial, not digital, but real relationships, real community. And you know the problem with real community? It's a lot muddier than a digital community. Uh, you can't sit on your couch and just watch things that so appeal to you and are so perfect and so clean and you can keep everything in your life perfect. You get into real community and you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get in the mud with real people. But you know what? That's what Jesus did for us, right? He rolled up his so sleeves, so to speak, and he got in the mud with us. He took on human flesh. He became one of us. And he calls us to get into real community real relationships. There's going to be real disagreements and real, you know, differences. And there's going to be real dirt, you know, on our rug and real coffee spilt on our couch, which again, we won't have in the digital community. But real, God calls us to real relationships, to real community, to real friendships. And we have got to invest in our church. And even 2,000 years ago, this is what the scripture said. This would be the evidence of one who was tracking with the Spirit. The next thing is that we be people who are content. Uh, the Scripture says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to be people who are thankful. And if you're thankful for everything, if you're continually thankful, you are satisfied. You are content. You're satisfied with what you have. Uh, you use the things that you have. If you've got 17 eye creams in your drawer, you don't need to buy another, right? You use the things that you have. You're grateful. You're content rather than longing for what other people have as you're looking at their feeds, uh, longing for what appears to be better or to be perfect or to be the solution to what you need. We need to be content grateful, thankful, satisfied, content people. And that's what people who are tracking with the Spirit look like. And then finally, we need to help people. We need to help others. And that's what the text concludes with. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You love and you respect Jesus. Jesus loves you. We love Jesus by loving others by helping others, by getting involved with others. And when you get involved with others, when you help others, when you submit to others, when you get underneath others, you help them out. And it gets the focus off of you and onto others, which is a good thing and a godly thing. 
It's what Christ calls us to do. Because Jesus put the focus on us, he calls us to put the focus on others. Now, ultimately, again, these influencers, they want our trust. They want us to believe them, to listen to them, and buy the ideology or the products that they are marketing. They want us to trust them. Now, one area that's interesting, and that is the area of Christian influencers. And by Christian influencers, I don't mean, you know, Christians that are promoting lipsticks. But there are Christian influencers out there who want to take the place of your pastors. Uh, They will sit in their car or in a coffee shop or whatever, and they'll start telling you what Bible verses mean. They'll start telling you what the text of Scripture means. Uh, They'll start telling you how to think and how to behave as a a Christian, you know, compelling you by Scripture. And it can be attractive. It can be easier. It can feel better. And as one author wisely pointed out, a problem with these Christian influencers is that unlike leaders in the church, they're not carefully appointed to leadership. Uh, We saw that just last weekend, right, when Pastor PJ and Pastor Rod were commissioned by the church. They're held accountable. These are men who have worked hard and studied hard and know the word of God, and they're commissioned to go launch another church. Who's commissioning that guy in his car? You know, or the guy in the coffee shop? Or, you know, the lady who's sitting there telling you what scripture means and why you should subject yourself to her influence regarding the scripture. It says they tend to rise to notoriety because they have a trendy appeal eventually among young people. And this is true. Sometimes they're attractive. Remember, they're fashionable. They wear the right clothes. They say things in a way that feels better to us. You know, we can come here on the weekends and we can hear Pastor Mike compelling us to, you know, uh, to pick up our cross, to follow Christ, to deny ourselves, to work hard, to make better choices. And we walk out thinking, ugh, right? And then we can look at these influencers and they're like, you're perfect the way you are. God loves you just as you are. Don't change anything. You know, like uh, greeting in a high school yearbook. And we think, this is what I like. You know, but that's not what the scripture is saying. And we were warned about this thousands of years ago through the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah said, don't listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. We have to remember that our pastors, like Pastor Mike and our other pastors, are working hard. They're in their offices, pouring over the text of Scripture, pouring over the Hebrew and the Greek and using word tools and understanding historical theology and biblical theology, and they're bringing us the meaning of God's word. They aren't just up there, you know, wearing skinny jeans and a cool shirt and going, hey, You know, take it easy, man. This was supposed to be fun. Uh, You know, as it says in the bottom here, who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear his word? And who has paid attention to his word and listened? This important component of being a a Bible teacher, being a pastor, uh, being someone who's going to influence your thoughts about God and the way that you respond to God. These have got to be people who are qualified, and who are appointed to do that. So just a warning about following quote-unquote Christian influencers. 
Now, again, the goal of the influencer is to gain your trust. And we know throughout the scripture, God says he wants us to trust in him and to trust in what he's revealed to us through his word. So if we want to remember these little filters when following social media influencers easily, uh, if you look at the first letter of all five of them, they spell out the word trust, reminding us again that we need to trust in God and trust in his word. Think carefully, regulate our time, use discernment, stay sober-minded, and track with the Spirit. Now, we have to remember that to some degree, we are all, in a sense, influencers. We all have influence over others. So we want to wrap this up by reminding ourselves that we're called to be a godly influence on others. We're called to be a good influence on others. We want to influence other people for good and for Christ and for God's kingdom rather than for bad. I thought it was funny that 86% of young Americans want to grow up to be influencers one day. They want to be social media influencers one day. And yeah, you can see why, right? I mean, to be able to work from home in a sense and post these great videos and photos and to make big money doing it. Well, I'd rather do that than work at a job, right? I mean, working for the boss or whatever it is. I mean, this seems like a very neat way, easy way, fun way to make money. Uh, but they want to be influencers. And it's a reminder to us, again, that we all have influence. It's important that we use our influence for good, for God, that we use our influence well. How are we using our influence? How are we influencing our husband, our children, our communities, our friends, our family, even one another here at church? 1 Corinthians 15.33 warns us, this is a popular verse, but it warns us, don't be duped. Don't be deceived. Don't be foolish. Don't be misled. Bad company ruins good morals. You don't want to be someone who's bad company, right? And you don't want to be influenced by someone who's bad company. Influence must be used for good. And I think it's interesting how Paul uses that uh, under the influence metaphor again in the next verse where he says, wake up. Don't be deceived, but wake up from your drunken stupor. Wake up from being under the influence, so to speak, as is right, and do not go on sinning. We've got to be people that say influence that we put out and influence that we receive has got to be used for good. And if it's used for good, it's going to spur us on to be the people that Christ calls us to be. Now, if you're uh, following influencers, if you're on social media, and afterwards you're feeling fearful... You know, if the influencers are constantly telling you, you know, there's a million toxins in that, you can't eat that, you can't breathe that, you can't drink that, you can't wear that, and you feel constant fear, that's not from God. Uh, Jesus doesn't want us to be fearful people. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to be depressed. And the strange thing is, is that statistically, people who follow a lot of influencers tend to be more fearful, more anxious, and more depressed. Uh, one in three women admit to feeling more, uh, more badly about themselves after they follow influencers, and yet they continue to do it. So if you're following influencers and you find that, wow, I'm feeling fearful 
or I'm feeling anxious, or I'm just feeling a general sense of depression, don't follow anymore. And make sure that you're not being that person in others' lives as well. As the warning to the Galatians, the church at Galatia, from the Apostle Paul, from God ultimately, says you were running well, you were doing a great job. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What kept you from running at the great speed that you were? Uh, this persuasion, this influence is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We've got to be thoughtful and wise and discerning because these uh, ideologies uh, that are given to us by these people promoting their brands, they can infect us and they can spread to our character, our thinking, and again, even our behavior. For us, we need to be a good influence by setting an example. That's what the scripture says, that Christians are to set examples for others. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul writing to Timothy, uh, telling him that you are to be an example in five areas, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. These are five areas that we're all called to be an example in. In our speech, how are we using our words? What are the words that are coming out of our mouth? Uh, how are we setting an example for our husbands and for our children and for our friends with the words that come out of our mouth? What about our conduct, our behavior? Is our behavior upright? Is it biblical? Is it godly? Is it consistent with what we're called to as Christians? In love, are we truly putting the interest of others above ourselves? As Christ again put our interest above his and went to the cross on our behalf. In faith, are we people who are trusting in God? Do people see that? When we hit pockets of difficulty, are we melting and imploding and just falling apart? Or are we strong and saying, you know what? I'm going to be an example of faith, of trust in God, of knowing that he has everything worked out according to the good purpose of his will. And in purity, this is important, that we be people who are setting an example in purity, that we lead pure lives, that we don't have dark closets hidden in the back that we think nobody can see. But you know, those dark closets, they end up coming to the surface. And when we hide things in the back, no one sins in a vacuum, no one sins alone, and it ends up impacting others around us. So we're called to set an example in our thinking and in our behavior for others. We're also called to set an example by pointing people to Jesus. And we see this in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Uh, it's interesting because she didn't have a perfect moral resume. But when she met Christ, it changed her. And she went back to her village and she told people, see this man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The same with us. When we meet Jesus, when we hear the gospel and believe, when we put our trust in Christ and turn from our sins, we need to help others to get to that point as well. To say, see Jesus and follow Jesus as I have. And that's being a good influence on others being evangelical, always talking about the God who saved us. And then finally, we're to teach others. Uh, Titus 2, 3, and 4 says that we are to teach, older women are to teach what's good and train the younger women. And when we say older women, it doesn't always mean chronologically older. It can be just spiritually more mature. 
You could have a very spiritually mature 25-year-old who teaches a 40-year-old new Christian in Christ. But that's what we're to do. We're to teach and to train. We're to take the things that we've learned, the biblical laws and biblical principles that we've been taught, and we're to teach those things to others. And we can even do that with this topic as we interface with many women who are under the influence of social media and the influencers in social media, we can help them to think and to behave biblically. You might say, oh, I can't do that. I'm not even close to an expert in social media. Well, you know what? You don't need to be an expert in social media and social media influencers because nobody is. Uh, As one, uh, one author quoted, Uh, A woman who said, find me someone who says they're an expert in influencer marketing, and I'll show you a liar. Because no one's an expert in this. This is all new. This is a brand new field. Remember, this whole reality thing and these platforms for social media influencers, this is all new. Again, TikTok has only been around since 2016. And look at the impact that it's made. So we don't need to be experts in this. We just need to have a general sense of what's going on and be able to respond to it with biblical truth as we can. Now, it's, it's interesting, but uh, there's a whole group of people out there that are called the de-influencers now. And the role of the de-influencer is to show you that what the influencers are saying is not right. It's wrong. So there are now millions of people that are following the de-influencers. And I thought it was interesting, one author wisely pointed out that it's just another marketing scheme. The influencers tell you what to buy, and the de-influencers will tell you what not to buy, right? So either way, whether you're an influencer or a de-influencer, you're still trying to tell people what to think and what to do. I think Solomon was on to something when he said thousands of years ago, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. Him saying, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's repackaged. It's rebranded. It's put in something modern and digital. But these are principles. These are truths that have been around for centuries and will continue to be with us. They're things to address biblically. So as we're living in a world of social media influencers, when we're under the influence, so to speak, may we all just be awake to their power and respond biblically. Let me close in prayer. God, thank you so much for this wonderful group of women that you have gathered here together today to listen to this hot topic. Uh, Women who are so important to you, Lord. God, help us to have some awareness of this whole concept of social media influencers. Help us to be aware of the largeness of the universal nature of social media and the power that these influencers hold. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to really cling to your truth, to even cling to the uh, admonition that you gave to us through the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church at Ephesus thousands of years ago and to be people who are shrewd when we follow social media influencers, when we're on social media. God, help us to, as your word says, to be people who are always thinking carefully, that we're engaging our mind in thinking carefully. Help us to regulate 
our time. Help us to be aware of how precious and important our time is and how you will hold us accountable for it. Uh, Help us to use discernment, not to be duped, uh, not to be influenced in a way that would be contradictory to your design. Help us to stay sober-minded, not to fall in the trap of just mindlessly scrolling or checking out mentally. And help us, God, to track with your spirit. I pray, God, that we would be people who are always in step with your spirit. And as you promise us, as we lean into your spirit, as we yield to the spirit, the spirit that is within us, then we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this community. I thank you for these friends. I thank you for the pastors that we have. And though things may get muddy at times, I thank you, God, that this is real life. And I am honored and privileged to be a part of this group of women, Lord. God, we thank you so much for Jesus, for everything that he's done for us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.